You are listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with me, your host, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to take bold leaps of faith as we hear the powerful stories of both men and women from different industries and walks of life who obey God and took risks in exchange for heaven's rewards. As you listen, my hope is that their stories will give you the confidence you need to trust God as he leads you to your next leap. Now, let's learn a little about our next guest. Today, Rachel is speaking with Jason and Tori. They have been married for over 20 years with four children, have multiple businesses together, and currently live in North Carolina. They are also the authors of Beauty and the Battle, Winning in Marriage by Waging War which is a practical guide for managing conflict within marriage. Jason and Tori share their early marriage experience where they both felt the deep strain caused by unresolved and unaddressed conflict. Woven within their story, they also passionately share their practical advice on how to approach and manage conflict in a healthy and God-honoring way. If you're a couple in the midst of transition or feel the regular strains of conflict, this episode is chock full of practical advice to make your marriage stronger. Now let's jump in. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you you both with me, Jason and Tori. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Now I know you all and I have kind of been stalking you online, but I got to meet you in person as well. (laughs) But can you please tell my uh, audience some things about you? Well, I am the weaker uh, of the two, Tori. I about kicked my coverage, but the, the Lord brought us to Charlotte, North Carolina back in 2001. After I played a little professional baseball, Tori and I had gotten married. We moved to Atlanta, played, uh, or actually both got jobs with John Maxwell. You know, the leadership coach? Yes, yes. Awesome. Tori was doing inside sales for him. I was doing outside sales. And then we ended up moving our families to our family and and all of our extended family to Charlotte, North Carolina. Started some businesses together with my twin brother and his wife. And God blessed them. They built up big. And we've been doing business ever since. And we love it. Oh, I love that. So do you all do business? Are you are you both in business together right now? My brother and I have several companies together and then Tori and I have a couple companies together. So, yeah, we, we so we're 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 married and in business. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is so fun. That yep. is so and fun. We've got four kids from we j- our oldest just just turned 20 yesterday down to 11. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you are in the fun years. Yes. We are. Oh, wonderful. And now, can you tell me where were you all at before you were in North Carolina? I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and, and I'm from Connecticut, Torrington, yeah. Connecticut, a really small town in in um, northeast Connecticut. I always said I'd never married a, nor- a northerner, <laughs> but Tori's actually a southerner at heart that just was <laughs> raised go. in New York. <laughs> I love it. And so, when you all met, did you all both decide that you were going to to move to North Carolina together, or how did that come about? We actually didn't know where we were going to move. We both knew that we didn't want to stay in our hometowns. We wanted to start somewhere fresh. And so we actually landed in Atlanta, Georgia at first because we both were working for John Maxwell. And then the Lord opened a door for Jason in North Carolina. And we knew that was the place for us. And our family followed pretty quickly after we moved. So within, I think it was within two years, all of our family was here in North Carolina and we consider it home. We love it. We absolutely love it. And it's been an amazing home for us. Yeah, we love it. And so have you all been working independently the whole time you've been married? Outside of John Maxwell. Outside of John Maxwell. Yes. Yeah. So I started my own business with my brother 
And, and it did take me away from Tori. So I was working independent of her. Okay. Then about 10 years after that, Tori and I started a couple businesses together, mostly real estate investing. And then we do speaking and obviously have the book and our podcast and stuff. So getting a chance to work together has, has been fantastic. Like we, we actually really like it. I know there's a lot of couples that say, oh, I couldn't do that. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was the first, you know, 15 years of not working together that made us really want it. And so now we really appreciate it. Yeah. I love that. My husband and I, we work together on a ministry that we have. And then we, we work together on some other things. And we were like, uh, the ministry works well. We work together now communicating how we need help on the other separate things that we do. But I, yeah. I definitely mm-hmm. feel like it's this um, ebb and flow with it. There's days yeah. that are like, this is amazing. There's other <laughs> days like, I quit. Like, I don't yeah. know about yeah. this anymore. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, your new book, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we wrote a book. Uh, it's called Beauty and Battle, Winning in Marriage by Waging a War. It's all about uh, couples joining forces together to fight against Satan and how fighting together draws you together because Satan's goal is to get you fighting face to face. But God designed you to fight shoulder to shoulder against him. Satan's like wanting to turn us face to face to fight against each other. And, uh, and so our whole book talks about how Tori and I learned to leverage the conflict and quarrels that would normally draw you apart. God taught us how to use those very things to, to draw you together. And it's basically the same way that we all felt when 9-11 happened. Remember when 9-11 happened? Yeah, yep. I mean, we all know where we were. Right. But what was crazy was the, the weeks and months after that. And all of us just sat there in awe watching all of us as Americans and even the world for that matter. We drew close together. We're like all like united together. Like, Yankees fans actually were hugging Red Sox fans, and that's never happened. You had Democratic uh, senators and Republican senators standing on the steps of the Senate building singing God God Bless America. Like that, that collective unity happened because we were now in a battle, and we knew that the fight wasn't in here, but out there. Mm-hmm. and fighting together draws us together. So Tori and I took that. That happened six months after we got married, mm-hmm. nine months after we got married, actually. And so we saw that and basically applied those same principles to our own relationship wow. and wrote a book to show others how we did it in very practical ways. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. I want to kind of glean in some, because a lot of the people that are listening are going through transitions. So either a job transition, whether it's sudden or they're trying to make that decision. Um, or they're moving, and it can create some tension in the marriage. And of course, it tends to make us fight against each other because I want this, you want that. What is something you would share with them that they can use or to consider in that time? You want to go first? You want me to? You go ahead. No, go. <laughs> so, so I'll go, and then Tori will bring color. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, transition. When when we're making transitions first, it's not about the transition itself. It's about the ensuing conflict that happens because of the transition. So anybody can have handle transition if there's no conflict, but transition naturally brings conflict. And a lot of people don't like change. And so here's what we found. And we write this in our book. I forget which book that I, that I, that I read back in my master's degree where I kind of learned some of the stuff about what happens with conflict. But when conflict takes place, two things manifest. The issue itself and the ability of the person to handle the issue. If number two is good, then number one will always work itself out. You don't have to try to figure out certain strategies on how to get past gridlock. You just have to work on yourself and how you handle conflict. And so 
Tori and I talk about that a lot when, when we do get to that conflict. See, Satan in that moment wants you to look at conflict as something that causes you to then turn your focus towards your spouse and think about the things in your spouse that you don't like in that moment. But God uses that same conflict and he wants you to turn your focus inward to say, what can I do in this conflict to bring out the best in my spouse? That's a very difficult thing to do. Right, right. Because all the scriptures in in the Bible that talk about whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done it to me. Mm-hmm. Well, in marriage, when you're going through transition and now all of a sudden you've got conflict that you didn't have before the transition. Now, all of a sudden, your spouse has become the least of these. Yeah. <laughs> and you have an opportunity to live and love like Jesus does mm-hmm. and like he teaches us when you engage in that conflict. So the key isn't, and and we also say in our book about how the key isn't to resolve conflict because most conflict is never resolved. It's just managed. Mm -hmm. You just have to manage it. And where do you manage it? You manage it. Honestly, it starts in your own mind. The warfare for your soul takes place in the battleground of your mind. And so when you're managing it in your mind, thinking proactive, good thoughts towards your spouse, when those reactive, negative thoughts want to come and fill your mind, Right. Like, I don't like the way she does this or I don't like the way he does that. And I can't stand we're trying to do this thing together. And now he won't show up when he's supposed to show up or whatever it is that when you're going through that conflict to realize I need to look internal and remember, you know, God's not just my father. He's my father in law. And how would my father in law want me to treat his daughter? How my father in law want me to treat his son? And I need to do a good job because in that moment, I'm learning to live and love like Jesus does. You know, when Jason and I were dating, he, in the off season of him playing baseball, that's when he decided he was going to get his master's degree in marriage and family. So at the very end of our dating years, the beginning, the very beginning of our marriage, that's what Jason was doing. He was getting his master's degree in marriage and family. So while I was getting my butt kicked (laughs) in marriage and family. (laughs) And so, you know, during our dating years, he's sending me all the notes that he's taking and he's so excited. I'm I'm excited. He's excited. We're like, we're going to apply all of these methods, all of these different tricks. We're getting, you know, we're getting a head start. This is amazing. And when we got married, we realized, wow, that's just so much easier on paper than in real life, right? (laughs) It's like all these things were just so much harder. And what we learned really in the first 20 years of our marriage that it's not really the methods. It's not really, you know, what to do, what not to do and having all the knowledge of, of how to handle situations. It's really a paradigm shift for us. It was seeing the, the battle for what it is. And knowing that the enemy will always want to pit your greatest ally against you. And so it's recognizing that, okay, we can try all these things, but before we even go there, we first need to recognize the enemy and it's not you. Hmm. And so for us, it was, there was this constant thing, the first several years of our marriage, where it was like, Jason became my enemy. Like whenever there was conflict, I looked at Jason as my enemy. And the Lord showed us through scripture that our paradigm was completely jacked up. We needed to see the enemy for who he was. Jason's not my enemy. And it takes that pause before every conflict to say, okay, well, first of all, let's just establish you're not my enemy and I'm not your enemy. And let's, let's start there. And that has helped us immensely. We talk about how the Lord kind of showed us that through the sport of CrossFit one day and just really the whole book kind of chronicles are the first 20 years of our marriage and how the Lord used scripture and just life experience to teach us really, really powerful stuff. You said something so good, which is pause. 
And Mm -hmm. I think that's something we miss is that pause. We're just, okay, I feel this way. I have this emotion. And so I'm going to respond to it, but teaching yourself to pause along Mm -hmm. the way is key that that's so powerful. Yes. Another thought that I, I have that I think tends to happen is this, there's these triggering moments. So say, for example, you know, the spouse wants to go out and, and pursue their dreams, but the other spouse has been like, well, I've, I've supported you as you pursue several, several dreams. And mm-hmm. now this is triggering the emotions that I have connected to that. What is something you would say in that moment? Yeah. We actually have a whole chapter on this in oh. the book. <laughs> and um, how book, everyone, I, I yeah. think that's what we're <laughs> And um, very similar story that you're, it happened to me where Jason was pursuing, you know, his career. I was home homeschooling the kids and Jason traveled often. And it just, beca- and what I didn't realize was that transition of kind of carrying the load at home was actually putting me into this kind of trans, like this way of thinking very transactionally. Like I've got to be strong. I got to pull myself together. I felt very weak. I felt like I was failing because I'm home with four kids homeschooling and I'm completely overwhelmed at the job God gave me to do. And I'm watching Jason thrive at the job he gave him to do. And I'm like, how does this going to work? You know, like this, this doesn't feel right. And so uh, my way of dealing with that hurt and that pain was, well, if Jason doesn't need me, then I can't need him. And so I began to build this wall. And oftentimes that's what we do. We begin to make our spouse the enemy, right? And I began to ha- have, you know, all of these emotions that would be triggered from him going out of town. That was, that for me was the trigger. He'd go out of town. I'd have to handle everything, get the kids to ev- all their, everything that they had to get to and homeschool them and, and then putting them to bed at night and all those things that I was like, just exhausted by the end of the day. And the Lord began to show me that I was pushing him away, my greatest ally, because of the pain that I was feeling. So it was again, that pause, like what I recognize that I'm actually pushing my greatest ally away. Why am I doing this? And I began to ask God, why am I doing that? Like I have this tendency to actually to withdraw when really I need him more than ever. And the Lord began to show me through scripture that I need to transform, transform my thinking, that my thinking, I, he had become my enemy. And I began to process the problem as being him. And the Lord began to show me through neuroscience. We began to really dig into neuroscience. neuroscience and how our brains are pathways and the thoughts that you think become paths in your mind. And if you get onto that path one time, it's better established the next time that you have this triggering moment, right? You're like, you feel this pain, you recognize you end up at the foot of a path that you went down before and you go down it again and you go down it again. And what I had done is I had begun to think of Jason as the enemy started going down this path over and over again. The Lord said, you need to make a new path. You you have established a path that leads you away from Jason. And so it was very difficult because once you've established these deep grooves in your mind, when you're stressed, when you're hungry, when you're tired, you're going to end up at the foot of that path because it's the path of least resistance. And at the same time, that God was working with Tori on recognizing like, okay, the enemy wants us separated. And so she would have those triggering moments. I was kind of a moron there 10 years into marriage. And I would call her when I'm eating steak surrounded by 20 people that she's never met, you know, and she's digging macaroni and cheese out of her hair (laughs) surrounded by our kids. And typically, I mean, in all honesty, this is usually 
the man is off doing his thing while the woman takes care of the kids. And that's just 90% of the time. That's it's, it's, it's not really reversed as much. So I'll come come to it from that perspective. But, but I, I had to learn some things as well. The first was, is that we need to dream together. Like we have to dream together. We, We just released a podcast, I think a day or two ago about creating healthy habits in your marriage. And the goal was, for both of you to get together and think about things that you can do together. Because if you are in a relationship where it's like, okay, I do my thing, he does his thing, or she does her thing, and we're happy with that. Well, what that really means is that you're overweight and you're happy with being overweight because you don't know what it feels like to be healthy. If you start dreaming together and you get together, I mean, you're both grown adults. Come up with some things that you can do together, creating healthy habits and then create a dream together. And so the Lord was working on me that like, okay, Jason, it's not just your dream. It's not just, you know, there was a time where Tori got so mad at me once she told me maybe I should have married my brother. (laughs) That would have been weird. That would have been weird. Right. But I understand what she's saying in that moment. It's like, hello. She was going through what you're talking about where it was triggering. Like, and, and the Lord over a period of years drew my heart toward her. I mean, we always wanted to do something together, but drew my heart to where it really burned to do something with her. At the same time, she was dying to the thought of actually getting to do something. So she was in a place of surrender with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I was in a place of surrender with the Lord. And over a period of years, now here we are living the dream that we had Mm -hmm. 21 years later. Now it took some time. Mm -hmm. We didn't start working together until 15, 16 years into marriage. You know, and, and even then it's slowly but surely gotten to a point where we can do a podcast in the middle of the day with you. Mm-hmm, right. So, but that the, the Lord but, has to work on both spouses. Yeah. And yeah. as we began to work towards that dream together, I then had to challenge my thinking that, okay, well, if it's not, if my way of thinking is not leading me to Jason, it's actually dividing me from him, then I need to transform those thoughts and, and, and reestablish new healthy thoughts towards Jason because it's dividing us. It's the very opposite of what I want, but that's what we do, right? We just, right. we do things in our, in our flesh. And-, and as a husband whose wife was in that position, I'm just going to encourage the husbands right now. And if these are wives listening to this, just tell your husband to listen to this one little section that during that time where Tori did get some of that triggering emotion where I'm kind of off building my thing and she feels a little more left out, I had to create an environment where she could talk with me about that and not make her feel bad and not be in a mm-hmm. place of defensiveness. Like, honey, I'm providing for you. Don't you mm-hmm. see what I'm It's like, listen to her, understand what she's saying. And then you figure out what it is that makes her tick. And then you be ravenous about going about trying to, to get yourself into a position where you can help l- allow her to, to draw that out as well mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, uh, Dr. John Gottman, foremost research psychologist for marriage, he said the number one thing that tears people apart is unrealized life dreams. Mm. When he talks about, when I say people, marriages, right. when he talks about marriages, it's like you come in with a certain, both partners come in with a certain set of expectations and we're dreamers because we're made in God's image. So he made us dreamers and creators. And if someone is a dreamer and a creator, but now they're stuck in a position where maybe you got kids, maybe you don't, and it feels like your, your dream has had to die, the other spouse needs to come in and recognize that and start to dream together again. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you will draw further and further apart and your marriage will break mm-hmm. and you cannot let that happen. 
That right there is so, oh, that's so powerful. And it is so true. And I, I've seen that happen so many times. And the person is just sitting there like, oh, my dream. What do, well, maybe, well, maybe I don't have a dream anymore. Well, maybe mm-hmm. maybe my dream. And it just, it slowly fades. Thank you so much for listening. I want to pause for a quick moment to tell you about two extremely valuable resources I've developed specifically with you in mind. If you are feeling called to take a leap of faith, be it to move to a new geographical relocation, to start a business, to stay on your job, but to write your book or to start a ministry or to transition, but you are unsure, even afraid to move forward, then you'll want to grab these resources. The first one is a five leaps quick guide. And within it, you will find help as you identify which leap God is calling you to make and tools for you as you prepare, plan and execute that leap. The next one is the five leaps, five week mentoring. If you are serious about this leap, but you know you cannot do it alone, you are not alone. I want to walk with you. So for five weeks, we'll work together as you prepare for the plan that God is calling you to execute. You can find both of these resources by visiting the five leaps.com. Thank you so much. Now let's get back started with this episode. You know, the thought that came to me that I hear a lot, and I want to know your thoughts on this is the idea of working together as a team. But I really like how you all put it, like we're working shoulder to shoulder because Mm -hmm. even in a team, there is still conflict. And sometimes when we hear that, we assume that means we can't have conflict because team members, you know, they they don't have conflict, but that's, that's not what that means. What, what is your perspective in working together as a team? Well, I mean, what does the Bible say about that? Iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. Marshmallows don't sharpen marshmallows. And put an iron and marshmallow together, and one of them is going to get cut. The other one's going to get sticky. Right. It's like you both have to toughen up and recognize that God uses conflict to strengthen you. Mm-hmm. If you want to get big muscles, what do you got to go do? You got to go strain your muscles. You got to go put them under heavy weight. And putting your muscles under heavy weight and working out actually tears down the muscle. Mm-hmm. And then resting builds it back up. So when you're in a marriage relationship, you've got to recognize that God wants you to experience conflict. Mm-hmm. Because in that, like I said before, because God's working on you, your marriage isn't just about you and your spouse. It's about you and Jesus. And God wants to make you more like Jesus. So he brought your spouse into your life to be that sandpaper that's going to smooth you out. Mm -hmm. So you have to recognize that. And conflict is like, it's like the the baker's bowl. Mm -hmm. Tori makes these incredible cookies called Ranger cookies. And I love them. It's like a healthy version of chocolate chip cookies. But she takes recipe, Tori. Yes. She takes like Kamut flour or whatever that stuff is. And like, or Kosovo, I don't know what it is. She takes flour and cane sugar or coconut sugar and and butter and eggs and all these things that she mixes them all together. And, you know, what those things together make a substance that can actually nourish you. But those things separate taste terrible. You don't take a spoonful of flour and put it in your mouth. Right. You don't take a spoonful of sugar and do that. You know, you have to mix it first and that's what makes it sweet. Conflict is that baker's bowl. God puts us in that baker's bowl and says, I want you guys to experience conflict. That's why I give you transition because I want you guys to experience conflict. Now, if both of you are operating in the spirit where you're not thinking about me, you're thinking about we, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about we in terms of us as a, as a cup, as a married couple, then what happens is God pours his Holy Spirit on that. And together you become something impossible apart, but you have to go through the conflict to experience that in in an unhealthy relationship. Your relationship is nothing more than tyranny by the most selfish person. 
So you have to both die to me, open up to we, serve your spouse. And in the midst of the conflict, you'll draw closer together. Mm-hmm. I would just add, I think we have to kind of look at conflict differently. I know for me, I'm an Enneagram nine. I don't know if anybody out there knows what Enneagram is, but that means that I absolutely hate conflict. I run from it. <laughs> it's my greatest fear. I just want everyone at peace. I want everybody to be okay. Right. And so for me, the Lord has had to do a really work, a deep work in me to see conflict different, that the very thing that I fear conflict will bring is separation. But Mm. the very thing that if I do not allow conflict is separation. So there's this paradox, like I, I need to see um, conflict for what it is, that it's actually something that can draw you together. And I think that my mindset for so long has been, it's going to pull me apart. It's going to divide me. It's going to cause a strain. When in reality, conflict is necessary for connection. Mm, That's so good. Now, I have one more question as we wrap up our time. If someone is in a transition right now, them and their spouse, they're they're in a transition and, you know, they just want some practical tools. They've been dealing with the conflict and now they're trying to smooth over things. What would you tell them to say, okay, let's make this conflict help us to bring success to our marriage or success to this transition? What what are some things that you would say to encourage them? Uh, Well, man, we've got so much good stuff in our book. First, go get the book, Beauty and Battle. But (laughs) secondly, if I can just say this, that you've got to recognize that when you're going through conflict, you have to communicate with each other. But when you communicate, there's two different ways that you can do it. You can bring a complaint or you can bring a criticism. A complaint is about behavior and it's how I feel about the behavior that you brought, right? So it's like, okay, you, you said, or you did this. This is how I feel about that. I would prefer you not do that. Okay. Now, criticism is the opposite. Criticism is not just about behavior. It's about identity. It's here's what you did or here's what you said. You always do that or you always say that you're such a fill in the blank. It's character assassination. It's character assassination. I would say in the midst of that conflict, you have to be able to bring a complaint and not criticism because criticism will draw you apart. A complaint draws you together. So, Rachel, if I say, okay, Rachel, you know, when you said this, it made me feel this and I would prefer you not do that. What's the first thing that you're going to feel? you're going to feel like, oh, no, I didn't mean to say that, or I didn't mean to do that, right? You come to my rescue. You're pulling me out of my pit. But if I say, Rachel, you said this, or you did this, you always do that. I can't stand when you do that. Would you stop doing that? Now, all of a sudden, you're going to get defensive, yeah, right? Because you're going to have to defend yourself. And anytime you're defending yourself to your spouse, you're, go- you're moving further apart. Mm-hmm. So in a conflict, I would say that's very practical. Learn to bring a complaint, because unchecked criticism brings in the number one relationship killer outside of unfulfilled life dreams, according to Dr. John Gottman. Unchecked criticism in your mind towards your spouse brings contempt and contempt will rip you, rip you apart. Contempt goes one step further and I'll end with this. Contempt brings in the element of comparison. Rachel, you said this, you always say that. You're such a th- blank. I don't do that. I would never. I would never do that. The minute you start talking like that to your spouse, you've got contemptuous thoughts towards your spouse and you better first repent to God because that's sin. Second, you repent to your spouse because I don't care what they've done or what they've said. You have got to control that kind of thinking because Satan wants you to think that way. So don't let him do it. Complaints, not criticism. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know this is going to be a huge blessing to people. Can you please tell them where they can find you on social media? website, podcast, all of that. Social media is at Jason and Tori. 
our website's jasonatory.com or beautyandbattle.com and our books on Amazon. So we're, uh, we're, we're, hey, we love what you're doing. Yeah. You're a oh, voice in the, you. in the darkness. Yes. Oh, thank you. And you're this is my final question. Work. Yep. What is your next leap? My next leap is David and I started a entrepreneurial company. And at the same time, Tori and I have this marriage thing going. So David and I want to see 300 God-fearing kingdom entrepreneurs in 50 cities across America. So 300 times 50. So what is that? Is that 15,000? Kingdom-minded entrepreneurs who are usher in the next great awakening. That's my big lead. I love that. Tori, what about you? Well, I'm excited to to keep on doing what Jason and I are doing. We've got a podcast that we're doing and we are still raising the kids. The kids are our home and I've got a college son right now in Nashville, Tennessee, and one leaving for college in the fall. And so we've got a lot going on at home and I'm happy to be here with her leaf is better than my leaf. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. I hope you enjoy what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next week. Before you go, I want to invite you to visit the fiveleaks.com to learn more about upcoming guests, get helpful resources to help you prepare to take your next leap and join the Taking the Leap membership community. And don't forget to text podcast to 216-279-7174 for weekly reminders and more personalized leap support. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with our willingness than he could ever do with our worthiness.